follow along with the reading of the word of the Lord. And then we will uh, ask him to teach us. Beginning in verse 5, 1 Corinthians 16. But I will come to you after I go through Macedonia, for I am going through Macedonia, and perhaps I will stay with you or even spend the winter so that you may send me on my way wherever I may go. For I do not wish to see you now just in passing, for I hope to remain with you for some time if the Lord permits. But I will remain in Ephesus until Pentecost, for a wide door for effective service is open to me, and there are many adversaries. Now if Timothy, if Timothy comes, see that he is with you without cause to be afraid, for he is doing the Lord's work as I also am. Let no one despise him, but send him on his way in peace, so that he may come to me, for I expect him with the brethren. But concerning Apollos, our brother, I encouraged him greatly to come to you with the brethren. And it was not at all his desire to come now, but he will come when he has opportunity. Father, help us to have ears to hear, eyes to see, and yet, Father, hearts that are open to what you're doing. Father, hearts that are open to your work, your way. I praise you, Lord, that you have drawn us this day. And that, Father, you have given us your word, you have given us your spirit, and you have given us the body of Christ that we may be about our Father's work. Father, help us to hear. And Father, help us to be doers of what we hear. To your praise and to your glory, in Christ's name, amen. I shared with you many weeks ago when we moved into this context that this was a message of exhortation. Uh, and, and it's fascinating because many times we'll take these closing texts of a, a given letter in the, in the Bible and we just kind of cruise through them and see you later, hasta la bye-bye, and it's been good, and here's my plans. And if you read cursory through this, then you'll see that that's what this was. But you will, or people will realize it as that. But here's what you need to be, be aware of. You have a man who is doing the Lord's work. He stated that. He says, therefore, verse 58, My beloved brethren, be steadfast and movable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your toil is not in vain. Always abounding in the work of the Lord. And then in verse 10 there, you see it there that Timothy was doing the Lord's work as I also am. And, and I'll review this quickly because it is key to what we do. What is the Lord's work? I mean, this morning in my Sunday school class, I gave one small verse that describes what is the church. It is the foundation pillar of truth. Anything other than that is not the church. And I mean, a lot of people say, well, Terry, you just simplify things too much. And there usually is more. No, <laughs> there's not. Um, God realized that you and I can't handle complicated. So he kept it. Simple. And, it, you know, I have had people who have left here and had, you know, jobs had moved them. And they said, well, if I'm looking for a church, what should I look for? Pillar and foundation of truth. It's easy to go into a church and see how important truth is. I don't have to go multiple times to a church. Thy word is truth. Where is it in this congregation, this group, this meeting place? Okay, anything short of that, it's not church. And I mean, that sounds narrow, but that's the truth. Then 
What is the Lord's work? Evangelism, edification. So if I'm going to do the Lord's work, I'll be reaching to the lost and strengthening the saved. Okay? Equipping you for the work of ministry. That's my job. But the truth of the matter is, that is all of our jobs. It may be our children, it may be co-workers, it may be our spouses, but we will either be reaching the lost or strengthening the saved. It's not, it's not that complicated. And we do it based on the pillar and foundation of truth. If I'm going to do the Lord's work, then verse 5 says, I will have a vision. Paul says, um, I will come to you after I go to Macedonia, for I'm going to Macedonia. Okay? Why? He was looking at what was needed. And he was in the process of going back through the churches to strengthen them. All these churches were struggling at some, some points. And if you're truly honest with it, how many times have you learned something and had to relearn it? Okay? Right? All right, so the Apostle Paul was planting churches, reaching people who had never heard the gospel. And yet, the whole time, he's got on his mind to say, but I need to go back and strengthen that that was there. That that is productive. You know, I think about the church in Rome. The Apostle Paul didn't say, I'm going to come and start the Second Baptist Church of Rome. Rome was a city. I mean, think of New York City. That's what Rome was. And he wanted to come there and do what? Bear fruit with them. Strengthen what they were doing. Okay? So you have vision. If you're doing the work of the Lord, you're looking at what you're doing, at the position you're doing it, but you're also saying, here is a thing out here that isn't being... The, the, the need isn't being met, and I will press on to that. If you think about our church, this congregation, don't we do that? Look at our track record. We are busy here sometimes, but we're also looking out at what ain't being done. Uh, but I, I share that because that's what we're doing. We, it is so amazing. We are only investing in the cream of the crop. We are investing in teachers to teach teachers. We're investing in preachers to teach preachers. It don't get no better than that, people. And yet, what are we doing here on these four walls? Same thing. Same thing. Okay? But verse 6 says, if the Lord permits. Why? We are flexible. Flexible. I think we, I, I would prefer myself um, that we would teach pastors in Barbados. Um, just hasn't worked. Uh, and I end up in the ice capital of the globe. Um, and then, you know, somebody says, well, maybe you should hook up with Pastor Philip. And you can work on these teachers in Punjab. And I was like, in the Taliban. Perfect. Can I wear a burqa? <laughs> because that's the only way I'm going to get through that sucker alive. Um, they have some kind of fetish about Americans. And, and I fit the mold. All right? Uh, you, know, you know, well, let's go to Burma. They, the president is on trial in Burma now. 
the one who had run against the military dictatorship, and her trial started this week. She's only been on house arrest for the last 13 years. Okay? And, well, would you like to go help Pastor Paul? No. The reason she's on trial now is some stupid American broke into her house to hang out with her. I don't want to go over and say, here's number two. <laughs> okay? Um, but you know what? If the Lord wills it, I've tried in the past to argue with him um, very unsuccessfully. So there's a flexibility. But there's a commitment. Okay? You have to be committed to truth. What gospel are you going to give them if you don't know what the gospel is? Okay, people have asked me, how did you know you were called to the pastor? I still haven't got the call. Uh, but I am committed to truth. Okay, I want to know what the book says. Okay, and then once you're committed to that, after that, you have to be committed to what you're doing right now. You know, I was thinking about it. The first Sunday in June is I always celebrate my anniversary as the senior pastor or starting the pulpit work here and um, it was funny when they asked me to do that the question was this I was working as an electrician and I was doing some of the maintenance around the building and I was the sound guy all right all of those nasty tapes that you guys heard in the past those were me okay and um, I was committed to what it was I was doing and the the elders of the church at that point in time asked me, they said, well, what are you studying? I said, First Peter. And they said, well, our pastor is leaving. You take the pulpit and you teach First Peter until we find a pastor. And that's, I wish you guys would hurry up and find one. But anyway, um, that that's how it started. Why? Because I was committed to truth and committed to what God had me doing right then. All right? What was it with Paul? Paul was always committed to truth. And yet with his vision, he was always looking around saying, but this is lacking, this is lacking, this is lacking. And if the God will allow it, then I will be there. But Paul was based on his commitment to what God had called him to. Every single one of you in this room have been called to a ministry. Okay. Now, if you don't know what it is, I'm thinking that you've got a problem between you and God. Which means that you're not committed to his truth because he, you know, people say, well, does God talk to you every day? Every time I open his Bible, he says something to me. Okay. So he talks to me every day and he knows that I will be committed to what I'm doing right now. All right. Same way with the apostle Paul. All right. But we have to understand something in verse nine, that once you step into the arena and you have committed and you are flexible to what God is doing and you have seen the big picture and you've seen the small picture and you're ready to rock and roll with this thing, that you will have challenges. You will have opposition and you can either let it be an opposition or you can have it to be a challenge. Because see, once you see that the Apostle Paul says a wide door is open for effectual ministry, this is amazing. How do you know, Paul? There are many adversaries. And if you think about it, everybody in this room, you know what I'm talking about. How many times have you stepped into the arena of the things of God and all of a sudden I've got, we call them distractions. Well, I have to work. Or I need to find a work. 
or I have this bill, or I have this friend, or I have this vacation, or I have this thing here, or I have this car problem, or I need a new car, or I have, and what do you have? Many adversaries. And some of them will be of your own household, Jesus told us. They will come against you. They will distract you. They will try to keep you from doing the things of God. Why? Because once you hit the challenges, guess what? You will learn dependence. And it won't be on me. It won't be on Matt. It won't be on your spouse. It will be dependence on the Lord Jesus Christ. And if you have committed to his word and committed to his work, then you'll be fine. If you haven't, you will be shipwrecked. Okay? So you have a challenge. You have a challenge. And I look at adversaries, adversities, as a challenge. How do I overcome that? Because if you're following the Lord, then He's getting ready to show off. Watch me overcome it. And you sit there and go, well, but it just seems impossible. And that's when He shines the brightest. Okay? Now then, this next line here. Now, if Timothy comes, see that he is with you without cause to be afraid. All right. What the Apostle Paul is drafting to you and I right here is what I call unity. You, you may want to call it team spirit. Okay. Now, this is missing in the body of Christ today. I mean, it is absolutely absent. Okay, and I and I, I'll be honest with you, it baffles the stew out of me. I have had more unity with a room full of Russians that I don't even have a clue what they're saying, and they don't have a clue what I'm saying, and yet we are more unified than I am in many evangelicals today in America, and I don't understand that. That just is completely foreign to me. You hear it all over the place. We call it bipartisanship. Okay, why? Why aren't we unified? I go with this fact. Why isn't the body of Christ, why isn't this group unified? Because the Apostle Paul is strong on this. Listen, Paul worked as a team. I mean, I, I spend a lot of time with the Apostle Paul. All right. Um, some people will tell you that I spend too much time with Paul. And I'm not in reality, but whatever. But you know what? Paul was never striving to be a great superstar. He wasn't out there by or for himself. Okay. He was extraordinarily dependent on people. He was very loving towards others. Most people look at Paul and say, well, he just, he didn't like women and he didn't like this and he didn't. Like, and you know what? Uh, that ain't what he was. Listen, in chapter four, verse 17, he makes this statement. For this reason, I have sent to you Timothy, who is my beloved and faithful child in the Lord. And he will remind you of my ways, which are in Christ, just as I teach everywhere in every church. I've got a clone. His name is Timothy. 
He will do exactly what I do. And it was never there for himself. He was never there to toot his own horn. He said, if I boast in anything, I boast in Christ. I see people today, and there may be some in this room today, who are about themselves. I'm not going to do anything unless I get some glory. Okay, he says here, I don't want Timothy to come to you and, and, and have some fear. I don't want him to be intimidated. And he says there in verse 11, I don't want no one to despise him. Why? He's coming as a representative of who? The brethren. It's all of us. Paul never looked at himself. That's why he got on him in chapter 3. Some are of Apollo. Some are of Paul. Some of them, you know what? You're a bunch of knuckleheads. We're all in this thing together. We're all of Christ. Do you understand that Paul, you know, he, and I understand part of this, and I'll come back to that thought, but Paul was smart enough to know that some of these Corinthians were, my grandma used to call them, a little crusty. And, and if you don't know what that word means, <laughs> you may do, you may, you may be crusty. These are people who are self-willed. These are people who are prideful. These are people who are puffed up in the body of Christ. Can you believe that? And he says, I don't want this kid to be despised because he works the work of the Lord just as I do. You know what's amazing about that statement? He, chapter 4, he calls him his son of the faith, right? Right? And yet, when he talks about the ministry, they're equal. They're co-equal. That is the unity. There isn't like one up here in all of you guys. That ain't it. That is not it. You know, I shared with you years ago when we first started going into Russia, I started going into Russia. My heart's passion was that you guys would go with me. That somebody would go along. And just just be a part of it. And everybody says, I can't teach. Then what's your point? What's your purpose? I mean, I thought we were supposed to make what? Disciples. And, 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 I, and I don't understand that. And I'm not here to get on you about it. Well, maybe I am. Okay. Listen, he's telling the Corinthians, if you mess with this kid... Do you understand that you're messing with God's worker? It'd be no more than messing with me. Don't hassle the boy. Don't despise him. I see people who get to, well, how come you get to do that? Because you wouldn't know. <laughs> He's basically telling the Corinthians, hey, listen, he's a worker for the Lord like me. Now you think about that. What kind of accolades do you want? He's doing the same thing I'm doing. What's that? Evangelizing and equipping. And when I'm not equipping, I'm evangelizing. When I'm not evangelizing, I'm equipping. Paul didn't see himself as any other level than the level of Timothy. We're all in this thing together. Even though Timothy was just his son in the faith. Timothy was young. 
Timothy didn't have it all. Timothy hadn't experienced this. He hadn't gone through what Paul had gone through. He hadn't been taught by Christ in the Saudi desert. He didn't have a Damascus Road experience. It's just Timothy. In the terms of knowledge, in the terms of giftedness, he didn't have it. He was a little bit on the timid side. He was in a little quiet side. I'm going to step back over here all the way. Why? Because they'll stone you and leave you for dead if you're too noisy. See, and yet, Paul looked at them as equals. We're equals. We are both workers in the Lord. Do you understand this room full of people are nothing but workers for the Lord? Every one of you. I ain't better than you. My ministry is a little different than yours, but we all have ministry. See, there's no level of importance. Most people today in the body of Christ believe you have all them servant ones over there, or you can be a teacher. And if you're a teacher, then you're really doing the work of the Lord. Let me tell you something. The book of James tells me not many of you should be teachers. Why? There's a reason. The judgment is harsher. Okay? In Paul and Timothy, there was a difference in their ministries. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, sure, Paul was a guy up front. Okay? Paul was a leader. Let's be realistic. You, however you cut it, Paul led. Not only that, he, he in many ways, was a leader among leaders. I mean... You know, Barnabas took him down to Jerusalem. He met with the disciples and they said, yeah, Paul's on. Paul's on. And yet in his heart, he looked at the brethren as co-workers. You know what that means? I ain't the boss. He had a great sense of unity. He understood that we... Our Christ. And, and Paul looked at himself. I'm like everyone who's in God's work. Why wouldn't an apostle go start the first apostolic church of Rome? No. He had no business founding that church in Rome. And yet it was there and it was flourishing. And he said, I want to come there and bear fruit. With you guys. Why? You're no different than me. Yeah, he could have said, you know what? I wanted you to treat Timothy the same way, even though he wasn't on the road to Damascus with me. See, Paul understood and he embraced unity, teamwork, whatever you want to call it. See, Timothy's task gave Timothy honor, just like Paul's task gave Paul honor. And yet, at the great throne ju judgment of Christ that you see in First, Second Corinthians 5.10, we will all give an account for what we've done in the body. At that point in time, we receive our rewards, and what do we immediately do with them? We give them back to Him. Why? They're His. We are his workmanship created in his image unto good works that he 
has designed. So you are what? Tools. <laughs> That's it. See, Paul says, treat him in a proper way. Why? Because this, this is a worker. Listen, he, Paul, you know one of the amazing things that I have learned about the Apostle Paul? Paul literally had no personal ambitions whatsoever. You know, I need to have 2,000 Gentile churches by the year 2,000. You know, how, how many baptisms have your churches produced, Paul? He never had that. Go read Philippians 1. Okay, Philippians 1. Read the whole text, okay? Philippians 1. He's in prison, right? And what had happened by the time he got arrested and was thrown in, 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 in jail is that there were some new preachers coming up. Okay? Men who were led by God. They had a new group. And you know what? Rumor had it that Paul was fading. He's in the twilight of his years. He's about done. Why? He's in jail. He's at his end. You know, he's in jail because he blew his ministry opportunities. Okay? You know, Paul... His methods are old. He believes all you have to do is teach the Bible and things that happen. And Paul says, some preach Christ to add to my chains. He says, but you know what? I rejoice because Christ is still preached. You think about that. See, he had no sense of ambition. I'm in jail and all these hot shot young preachers are coming out. People want to go see their seminars. I want to go read his book. Paul had no sense of lifting himself up. You know what? And what's amazing is he couldn't be more thrilled to support anybody who was in God's work. That thrilled him to death. And it didn't matter who it was. I mean, the church in Rome, he didn't know them people. He had been associations with some of them who had migrated and ended up in, in Rome. But other than that, he never been to Rome. He was trying to get to Rome. He wanted to go to Rome. He thought that'd be a good place to start a ministry into Spain. But you know what? When he found somebody, even if it was a group who had, he don't know who founded the church in Rome. But when he found somebody doing the Lord's work, the Lord's way, it thrilled him and he rejoiced in it. But I'll give you a footnote. Remember, I told you I spent a lot of time with Paul. When I see people doing the Lord's work, the Lord's way, that thrills me. And you know what? I think it's, it just makes me jump for joy. But if they're not doing it the Lord's way, Paul never failed to tell them. Okay? And... I follow that mold. If you're not doing it the Lord's way, I'll usually say it this way. I'm not as crass in my old age. Where is that in the Bible? I used to say that's spiritual idiocy, but it just didn't seem to have the same effect. Okay, so I just say, where is that in the Bible? And then it gets reminded to me that I have the old method and there are new ways to reach new people in this day and age. And I just smile at him and say, how's it working? But anyway, anybody doing the Lord's work, the Lord's way, Paul understood that they were on the right team and they were unified. 
Even to the point that people were preaching that Paul's ministry was complete or was done because God had put his butt in jail. They were still preaching Christ. And he said, you know what? I rejoice because Christ is still preached. I want you to think about this for a second. Take the book of Romans. Okay. Every Christian that I know should know that book inside out, left side, right side, top to bottom, front to back, and should be able even to interpret it through reading it through a mirror. That is one of the most blessed books in Hall of Holy Writ. Okay. But here's a fascinating thing. That wondrous book, that glorious book that basically says, I am not ashamed of the gospel for it is the power of salvation first to the Jew then to the Gentile. And then he just cranks it out. Have you ever read the 16th chapter? Last chapter of the book. It's a fascinating book. He takes the entire 16th chapter. Okay, think about the glory that is in the first 15. In the 16th chapter, he takes that entire chapter to mention 24 individual people, two individual households, among them seven women who have helped him in the work of the Lord. I call the book Romans the Gospel of Romans. It is everything. You can literally take the book of Romans in 15 chapters and say, Hallelujah! This is the 66 books of the Bible condensed in 15 chapters. It's all right there. And then in the 16th chapter, he commends all these people who have helped him on his team to produce the gospel in a global reach. You think about that. You can never minister for God in isolation. You and we must realize that you make up the contributions of this team, this ministry to the Lord. Every single one of you. I can't do this. I can't do it. You you can't go out, and I watched this today, you can't go out and be a star. And yet, what are we producing in the evangelical church today? Well, I move, or I move, and I study, and I do. You know what? No, you ain't. You've got to give your whole. You've got to give yourself to the whole. You have to give yourself to the body of Christ, the church. Have to. Listen, it was Paul and Silas. It was Paul and Barnabas. It was Paul and Luke. It was Paul and Aristarchus. It was Paul and Mark. It was Paul and Timothy. It was Paul and Titus. It was Paul and somebody. And then the whole time that he's got all these people with him, he's got all these other people behind him. He says, I'm going to the church in Philippi. Why? Even though they are poor, they have given me money and riches. He understood it. One doing the Lord's work, the Lord's way realizes that he or she is just a piece in the fellowship. Realize we build others up. That's amazing. Do you know it takes your presence to build me up? Did you know that? 
We have to understand that. We have missed that. We encourage others. We support others. And Paul says, you know what? Take care of Timothy. And I want you to do it as if you were taking care of me. You ever thought about that? We help Alexander and Zeminka. We help Victor. We help Valeri. We help Gennady. We help Leonid. We. In Philippians chapter 2, he says, you know what? Epaphroditus was close to death. Near to death. And Paul says, I'm glad he didn't die. Why? Because I needed him so much. Ask Dane. I need Dane. Dane was getting ready to go to Virginia to take a job. I said, Father, I just pray that he stick him here. And God did. It worked. Okay. <laughs> you guys, everybody said, well, I hope we don't need me. <laughs> could be crippled in this. Okay. I needed him so much. When the apostle Paul was old, I want you to send me John Mark. He'd had a falling out with John Mark. He didn't believe John Mark was cut from the same cloth that could fight the good fight. And, and, and he went, took Silas and Barnabas took John Mark. And they were mad at each other. As he was nearing the end of his race, the true end of his race, he says, will you send John Mark to me? Why? I have need and he helps a lot. See, that's the unity the Apostle Paul understood. You know, one of the greatest texts or one of the amazing texts that I have ever read that this is amazing to me because this is Paul's last letter. It comes out of 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 5. Here's what he says. He's writing it to Timothy. He's in the Mamatine prison getting ready to have his head removed. Okay? And he, he understands that Timothy's going to take over where he left off. He says, but you... This is to Timothy. But you, be sober in all things, endure hardship, do the work of an evangelist, fulfill your ministry. You know what he's saying right there? Go to it, my friend. Now, everybody says, well, why don't we get it? Okay, well, let me ask you a question. Until that time, do you know what Timothy did? He served Paul. He was at Paul's beck and call. I want you to stay in Ephesus and straighten out the leadership problems. I want you to take this letter over to Corinth. I want you to go do this. I want you to go back up to Thessalonica and find out what happened to the church that we would planted up there amidst all them riots. He served Paul. That's it. That's all he did. Served Paul. Then one day, Paul writes him and says, bye. You go now and you do your work. See, but the proving ground for Timothy was how he served Paul. He'd been there. He'd seen it. He's like Iconium when he was stoned and left for dead and thrown out on a pile of dung heap. He wasn't even saved. And he just looked at it and said, that guy there is motivated. God has called some people 
to leadership in the body of Christ. Others he has called to serve those who lead in the body of Christ. Okay? Sometimes those who serve those who lead will do that all of their days. That will be their ministry to serve the leaders in the body of Christ. That's it. Other times, they'll serve for a time and it'll be an apprenticeship, I guess, or a learning process. And then they take over. Sent on their ways. Then the Lord will call them out to lead on their own. Bye. Get after your ministry. But you know what? There's always, always, always a sense of unity there. There's a oneness. It isn't that this one is better than this or this one is better than this or this one can do this or this one can do that. No. Listen, you will not find two people who are gifted the same. It's impossible. It's impossible. But there's always a sense of unity. Always. You've got to remember that. There's a letter, a little bitty letter that people miss all the time. See, do you understand that Timothy grew up in the ministry doing what? Serving others. That's what he did. Okay? And yet he always knew what? I'm here to serve. And then the Apostle Paul says, hey, get after it. There's a phenomenal little letter called Philemon. Um, in, in verse 10 of Philemon, okay, do you understand the story of Philemon? There's a slave, Onesimus. Okay, and he had fleed from his master who was Philemon. Okay, the penalty for fleeing as a slave was death. Okay, so Philemon had the prerogative to literally kill Onesimus. He had fleed. Um, it's not faithful. Slave was a slave and you want to take his life. Well, here's what, here's how funny God is. He runs to Rome. Okay. Guess who Onesimus bumps into? <laughs> Big mouth Paul. Bearing fruit. And then he finds out Onesimus is a runaway slave. You know what he tells me to do? <laughs> Go back to Philemon. Wait a minute, dude. <laughs> I don't want to be like the thief on the cross. Today you will be with me in paradise. I have the world's shortest ministry. Okay? But listen to what he says. Take this letter and listen to what Paul says. I appeal to you for my child Onesimus, whom I have begotten in my imprisonment, who formerly was useless to you, but now is useful both to you and to me, whom I wish to keep with me so that on your behalf he might minister to me in my imprisonment for the gospel. That's amazing stuff. But without your consent, I did not want to do anything so that your goodness would not be in effect by compulsion, but of your own free will. He says, I could have kept him. Why? I reached him for Christ. The kid's saved. And he helps me a lot. 
But he has broken the law and he's broken a law against another saint. And I know that his law breaking could be the death penalty and you can do that. And I don't want you to send him back to me under compulsion. I want you to send him back because this kid is of my very heart. He is one with us, Philemon. Think about that. It completely changed how you look at stuff. See, he says, I've used this runaway slave in my ministry. So I am already united with Onesimus. Guess what? I'm going to send him back to you. And guess what you're going to realize? You're united with Onesimus. See, the Apostle Paul supported everybody in the ministry. Okay? Had no ambitions. His only ambition was that Christ be preached. Listen, I'll close with this. In this room right now, you may be called to support someone else. But it's God's calling. And even if that's what it is, then you're one with all of us. You may be called to do something on your own. And yet there'll be unity among all of us. And you may be called to do a little bit of both. To support somebody else and... Do it yourself. But either way, you're called. And either way, whatever it is you're doing, do you understand that you're only my co-worker? Well, what's that big deal? We're only co-workers of the Apostle Paul. Jesus said it this way. Love one another. By this shall all men know you are my disciples. Basically what he's saying there, the world will see the unity. Listen to the cry that's out there today for unity. We need unity. We need unity. We need bipartisanship. We need to be unified. We need to be, you know what? When I heard that Jewish believers were text messaging the Palestinian believers when they moved into Gaza at the first of the year to tell them to stay out of the streets because we're moving ground forces through. And I just sit there and says, see, there is peace and unity in Israel. But it is only in Christ. And I look at us here today and I have to ask a simple question. Are we unified? I'll let you answer that. Why? The love of Christ poured into our hearts, compels us to that unity. Even to the point that I could send Onesimus back to his slave owner, to his, his master. That theoretically by law, he can kill him. And he says, but you know what? He helped me in the ministry. Think about it. Father, I just praise you for your word, the amazing things that you do under the power of your spirit, the power and the authority of your word in our lives and the massiveness of the body of Christ. Father, help us, help me to see the unity that is already there. And Father, help us walk shoulder to shoulder, not 
somebody out front, shoulder to shoulder, until the fulfillment of the age, till the last Gentile hears, to your glory and to your praise, in Christ's name, amen.